0: Thank you, God, for what you have done for us. You turn graves into gardens, Lord. There's no one else who can. You bring life into broken and dead places. You bring us together as a family. People who may be different all here together, and there is no one else who can. It is only through you, Lord. So we thank you. we love you in your powerful name. We say, Amen. Good morning. Hello. Am I? Oh, it's happening. Uh, how are we? If you're in the house, you can take a seat if you'd like. Um, if you're online, not only online in Locksport Sport and Yarram, our family is getting huge. It's crazy. We're everywhere. Isn't it awesome? So good. Um, I've told you to sit, but you can turn around and wave to someone. Uh, If if you're new in the building, welcome. If you're new online, hello, welcome. We uh, love having you here. We're super excited that you're with us. Um, And it's great. What a day to be here. It's a bit wet outside, and that's all right, because we have a roof. So the weather doesn't bother us in here. All right. I have a few announcements. Are we ready? So there is kids today. Kids and creation will be happening. Um, so in our mingle time, if you are a kid or a kid's helper, you can go out, get checked in, not the not the uh, helpers, don't get checked in, but the kids will, and then you will go hang out in there. Uh, what else is happening? If you haven't checked in, which I haven't, there is the Church Centre app, and you can check in now. It's good to see people are checking in, and I'm not the only one that forgets. Um, so check in. Also, the app is great for, um, if there's things happening, which there always is, get on the app, look at the events, there are things happening, it is getting really close to Christmas, so there's uh, Christmas parties, carols is coming up, Christmas, it's all happening, and you can find it on the app, so look through events and find what you want to be doing there. Um, Also, I'm holding this, which, uh, if you want us to help at carols, you can scan the barcode that is on the one side, um, and that will take you to a link where you can sign up for whatever you want to do to help and volunteer for Carol's there. Um, And if you don't want to use the QR code there, use your connect cards anyways. Tell us how you are, what you have for breakfast, whatever. If you're new, tell us hello. Um, I mean, you can just say hello. You don't have to tell us so aggressively, but um, connect with us. Use these green cards. And you can chuck those in the buckets as they come around for um, tie. So we can pass our buckets out, put our cards in that. And if you are in detail giving us the best story ever and don't get your card into the bucket, we will have buckets after the service at uh, the coffee card. So give it to the coffee team and they will take your card from you. Other than that, there is... The reverse Advent calendar boxes are uh, in the foyer. They're available and need to be returned by the 11th of December, which is three weeks, I think. So you've got three weeks to do that. And then, that's my announcements. So if I've missed anything, as I said, look, at, look in the Church Centre app, check out, check out what's going on. I'm going to pray quickly and then we can mingle. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for who you are, that you are here building a family with us. It's you who makes this possible, Lord. We thank you for the life that you have given us, for the church that you have given us. And we pray for your love and your growth over us. We pray this in your name and we love you. Amen. All right, let's go. Let's mingle.
1: Oh, Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God. God, when we can't see, you provide the light that enables us to. And God, I pray that you would help us to see you in all your brilliance, glory, majesty this morning. God, that your Holy Spirit might fill this place and fill our hearts to enable us to love you and worship you the way you want us to to be your people and God this morning we we humble ourselves and surrender afresh declaring that you are God and we are not you're on the throne and we kneel before it and God for the times this week where we've chosen to sit on the throne, where we've chosen to take control of our own lives, God, we repent and we say, take your rightful place this morning. Lead us this morning. Be our king. Be our father. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do, all that you want to do this morning. We ask that you would have your way in us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please grab a seat. Good morning. While I'm doing a little introduction, we're going to pass the um, offering buckets around. They haven't been passed around here, at least in sale. I'm not sure if Yaram and Locksport, you guys got your buckets passed around. If you did, well done. We didn't quite get that. So if you've got connect cards and you want to chuck them in or your cash, you can chuck it in. Um, trinkets. Food scraps, no. Please keep it clean. <coughs> Fantastic. Well, we've got a lot coming up in December. Uh, like Brock mentioned, our Carols event on the 18th of December is going to be a great event. We're praying for good, favourable weather, unlike last year where we <laughs> had to change it last minute. Anyway, we'll be out on the lawn, no doubt. It'll be, We've had just predictable weather, haven't we, so far, the last month. So <laughs> what could go wrong? We're going to be out here on the lawn uh, from 6 o'clock on the 18th. And it's a great event to invite uh, friends and family to. I think there's going to be invite cards. I think there's some here and there'll be some in Locksport and Yarram the next time you meet together um, to hand out and and whatnot. Uh, And then for those that are part of SBC, we're having like a big team Christmas dinner, um, which we've done in the past few years. We haven't done... Um, obviously through the COVID years, but on the 20th of December, so two days after the carols event, um, the staff are going to put on a a bit of a Christmas party dinner just to celebrate the year. You can just come and enjoy. uh, You don't need to serve and do all the things. We'll we'll take care of it all. Um, And it's just a way of saying thanks and celebrating what God has done. Have a bit of a Christmas time together. Big Christmas dinner. So uh, there's details, more details will come out about that, but it's in the Church Centre app. If you've got the day free, Tuesday the 20th, Put it in your mind, calendar, diary, device, whatever you need to do. All right, we are in week six, can you believe? Week six of On the Mount. We've been looking at Jesus' famous sermon from Matthew 5, 6 and 7. And we are on the home stretch. uh, And we're looking at chapter seven this morning and next week as well. Um, and if you have missed any of the weeks, can I encourage you to go back and listen? Because especially this morning, there's a lot of um, foundation that's laid for the ideas that are coming forward this morning, and we're, I'll try to refer to them as we as we go. But uh, we've really talked about the idea that Jesus is after our hearts. Uh, so often when we come to Jesus or we, we walk in our, in our faith and we see different um, don't do this or do do that um, our initial response sometimes is, where's the line? What, what is sin and what's not sin? I want to know uh, what can I do and what can't I do. Uh, and we've talked about that Jesus is really trying to change the way we think about that. And it's not so much what can I get away with, but what can I run away from? Uh, and who am I running towards? Uh, and we've talked about this idea of agape love, towards each other. That agape love, the love that Jesus talks about, is not a feeling. It's not something that um, warm affections towards each other, but really it's an attitude and an action. It's a mindset. It's a way that we perceive each other and then the way we act towards each other. Because sometimes, am I right, there's people that you don't feel warm towards. Maybe they don't look at them now, but um, maybe there's people even in this room that you don't really feel affection towards all the time. But nonetheless, Jesus calls us to love, to view them the way God does, and to treat them the way God wants us to. And then maybe as we do that, the affections may may come, maybe not. Um, Last week, Pastor Lauren preached brilliantly on um, chasing after the kingdom rather than the stuff or self-sufficiency or status. Uh, And if you missed that, go back and check it out. Again, we're going to refer to some of that um, this morning. Seek first the kingdom. That's probably one of my favourite passages, Matthew 6, and I, I got Lauren to preach it because um, I like just listening to it. Um, but you know, there's a... Anyway, no, don't worry. Matthew 7. It's not in my notes. Don't get sidetracked already. We're not even into the intro yet. All right, Matthew 7, 1 to 12. Have you got it? It's going to be on the screens. It says, Do not judge. Pretty simple, eh? Do not judge, so that you won't be judged. For you'll be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye, And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if your son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if you ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for these words, that a life, that a hope that can transform our hearts and direct our lives. And God, we pray that it would do those things this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Who remembers the TV show Australian Idol? Yeah, most of us probably would. Um, And if you didn't, it's a singing competition show. Um, I think it was probably American first. Australians like we do, just copy whatever America does, put our own slant on it. Anyway, um, my beautiful wife Alana, who's home with one of our sick kids this morning, went on Australian Idol one year. Um, and if you haven't heard her sing before, um, stick around church, you will. But she's got a great voice. And she went on Australian Idol and did pretty well. Got to the point where she was in front of all the cameras. And um, I can't remember how long ago this was, it was one of the early seasons. Um, and I went down with her to the, some of the filming sessions of the, the show. And, you know, if you watch a TV show, and then, I've never done this before, and I've never done it since. Um, I'm not one to go on TV shows or ever go behind the scenes of a TV show, but this one time I did. Uh, And so you walk into this room, and there's just cameras, and there's tech people, and producers, and all these people just littering the place. And there's, and you can already see, okay, that's the guy that they're going to make fun of, that's a serious contender. I remember there was one guy who just... We were probably in this waiting room for um, a couple of hours and he would just sing this... I'm not going to sing it because it's terrible to listen to. Um, the song Burn For You by John Farnham and he would just sing the one line over and over uh, and just try to practice that sort of real high and it was bad every time he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but he, would just stand, he was just standing in a corner just singing into the corner of the room. Um, Anyway, the producers and and they would go around to each contestant and they would do these, like, interviews. And it became very clear, very quickly, that this was not a singing competition. This was not... They weren't really after the best singers. They were after those who were... had the best story to sell, had the best connection um, or, or way, that you know, they just wanted... Um, people to, to cry and to have big moments in their life exposed and, and, and just by the way they asked these questions it was so clear that that's what they were doing and even when they got to Alana and started talking to her it was clear they were trying to um, do that and we weren't really interested in, in being part of that so she did her thing she, um, and then didn't get chosen to go through I think just because she didn't want to do the, anyway Sometimes when we see this, they do not judge. Um, we have different ideas of what judging is. And judging in, I mean, Australian Idol, um, it looks like one thing, but it is another thing. Um, and sorry to ruin that for you. Um, but there were some really good singers that didn't get chosen to go, go forward. Um, but there were some really terrible singers, like the Burn For You guy. I don't know if he got through, but... <laughs> um, ..that they put in front of the cameras anyway, because... We all like to have a laugh. And I don't know if those people know that they're being... Anyway. Um, you, can, you can work that out for yourself. But do not judge so that you won't be judged, Jesus says. For, the same, for you'll be judged by the same standard, he says, with which you judge others, and you'll be measured by the same measure you use. For Christians, unfortunately... Um, What we are known for perhaps most, to some people, is being a judgmental group of people. And where Jesus tells us, do not judge, um, Barna is a research company in the States and they did uh, some research back in 2015 and they asked, I think it was just uh, millennials, so a certain age group of people who don't go to church, what do you think of Christians? And the number one response, I think 85% said judgmental, hypocritical was the second one. About the same figure judgmental hypocritical and so there's this perception that Christians are judgmental, and now we could look at that and go, well that's because of the the Christians that go out with the, the placards and the, um, and they go out judging people's morality and, and what they're doing and what they 're not doing with their lives um, and they're hypocritical judgmental hypocritical and 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 what it does for people is that it, it dehumanises people, doesn't it? When, when you feel judged, you feel if someone's ever judged you based on a decision you've made, you feel like you don't know me. You don't know why I made that decision. You don't know what's really going on. And so de, dehumanising people is really at the heart of this judgement that Jesus is talking about. There's another way to go about it. And there's different kinds of judging as well. Judging um, can just be this idea of deciding between one or, a, or another option, you know. What, do you prefer chocolate or lollies? Lollies, of course. Of course, lollies. If you prefer chocolate, you're wrong. Prefer. <laughs> you make a judgment of what is right or wrong or preferable, you make a judgment. And is that what Jesus is saying? Do not judge, do not decide anything ever? No, he's not saying that. Or judging, um, like, what's the best pie, or what's the best, um, who did the best dance, or who did the best, who had the best voice on Australian Idol? You know, there's different, and there's judging panels, and there's people who, whose their job is to be a judge, and they sit behind a big thing and they bang their hammer and they say guilty or not guilty. Well, they don't, but you know, some of them do. Anywho. But what is the judgment that Jesus is talking about here? Is he talking about those sorts of judges? He's saying you can never be on a judge. I mean, I know at summer camp at youth, we always have a judging panel for the the memory verse song. Does that mean we're doing the wrong thing by judging the kids? Who does the best memory verse song? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at here. I think what he's getting at, and we're going to see this, is that he is really getting at this idea of judging to condemn. Judging to condemn is what Jesus is getting at here. And we all do it. You might think, well, I, I don't go around judging people. I don't go around with billboards and placards and um, saying God hates you or, or, or anything like that. But judging that Jesus is talking about is really here a heart issue. It, it might result in, a, in an action, it might result in behavior, but really it's about a heart attitude. And we all do it, we all judge. We might judge non-Christians for their choices in life, but we're great at judging other Christians too, aren't we? I mean, just the image of me saying, of the the Christian with the placard, some of us, maybe all of us, quickly went to a judgmental attitude towards those people. idiots, they shouldn't do that there. And have all these ideas and put um, a view on them. Or think about those people that you think are judgmental. What's your attitude towards those people? It's very easy to fall into a judgmental mindset towards people. And sometimes we like to justify what's okay to judge that person (laughs) because they're judging someone. And you can quickly see that that's a a pretty dangerous cycle to to enter into because quickly everyone's... anyway. But Jesus says here... For you will be judged by the same standard, the standard that you use. So what is this standard? Because I think there is a helpful way to judge and there is an unhelpful way to judge. It's more than just looking at someone's behavior and deciding if that's right or wrong. We can look at different people's behavior, Christian, non-Christian alike, and look at it against the word of God and think, and say, I think that's right or that's wrong. I don't think that's necessarily what Jesus is saying. here. You know, I think it's when we go uh, a few steps further than that. We go a step further when we dehumanise that person. Instead of loving our neighbour, we put ourselves above them morally with our lifestyle and we say, I've, I know what's right and you don't know what's right. And so I'm going to judge you in, in that sense. And we put ourselves on a... We're not on the level playing field, but we're on a, a different playing field. And we elevate ourselves above someone else and judge them. We put them in a category. We sort of take their humanity out of the equation. And then we go another step further. And we might not um, think this out loud or say this out loud but what we're saying by putting ourselves above is we're saying, and God agrees with me. God thinks like I do about this situation towards that person. And when we think about it like that, it's, it becomes quite clear in Evan how, how clear it is that that's not the right thing to do and that's not the right attitude to have. James, in his um, epistle... Um, James, for those who don't know, is Jesus' brother. And in his writing of his letter, he, some scholars would say his, his letter is almost like a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. It's probably like three-quarters of it is just using ideas exactly from the Sermon on the Mount and expanding them. It's like a commentary on it. And so in James 4, when he's talking about judging, he says this in 10 to 12. Humble yourselves. Before the Lord, and He will exalt you. And don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? I would say to judge someone is almost the opposite of being humble. It's to put yourself in a position over someone else. Because Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to say, he expands on this idea with some imagery. And we all like this imagery, don't we? Um, Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye and don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And I think in this, this would have been funny to, for the hearers to hear. I've got a picture here. I mean, when you think about this picture, when you think about the, the picture Jesus is actually putting forward, to have a beam of wood in your eye is... It's impossible. Like it's, <laughs> you're not going to, and he's, he's using this imagery to like get your attention and say, look how silly this is. Look how ridiculous this picture is. And this is what you're doing. This is what it's like. I don't know if you're someone who tells someone they've got something in their teeth. Are you, anyone like that? Like it doesn't matter if I know you or doesn't, don't know you, I'm, I'm happy to walk up to you and say, oh, you got something in your teeth? Anyone like that? Can we agree to be a church that is, is that kind of person, that looks after each other, we, we care about, if we've got something in our teeth, you know, i got a bit of lipstick on my teeth or a bit of, um, I don't have lipstick on my teeth, not this morning. <laughs> I think <laughs> when I, anyway, when I did Year 8 drama, anyway, I didn't know how to wear lipstick. Why was I wearing lipstick? I don't know, but for some reason in drama you have to wear makeup. It's something about being on stage and in lights, is that right, Lex? yeah yeah you're eight boys wearing anyway move on are you someone who tells someone they've got something in their teeth it sometimes it depends on the relationship i mean if you walk down the street and saw a stranger walking past you who'd never met and they had something in their teeth obviously would you stop and say hey hold hold up a second you've got something in your teeth there you might want to get it out i don't know if there's many people who do that some people might but when we think of someone, seeing someone in a sinful situation, sometimes that's how we see it. It's like you've got something in your teeth. But Jesus doesn't use the analogy of you've got something in your teeth, does he? What does he you use? You've got something in your eye. And you've got something bigger in your eye. Now what would happen if you had an actual log in your eye? What would it prevent you from doing? You couldn't see. So it's not that the log is preventing you from reaching the person's speck. It's it's giving you an inability to see clearly the situation that's in front of you. He uses the eye intentionally here. He doesn't use any other part of the body, but he uses the eye because it's the way we see someone that causes us to judge them. And when we have a log in our eye, we can't see that person the way they look like a log. They look like sin. They look like <laughs> they look distorted in so many different ways. And so Jesus wants us to always assume that when we see something amiss in someone else that we're not seeing correctly. When you see someone doing something, you think that's not right, he wants you to assume I've got to make sure that I'm seeing this correctly. Have I got something in my eye? Have I got something in my own perception of this situation that is perverting my way of seeing what's really going on here? Humble yourself, James would say. Humble yourself. We have something in our own life that makes it impossible, even dangerous. I mean, it would be dangerous to walk up to someone with if you had a log or a beam coming out of your eye trying to you would probably knock them out. And I think... That's probably intentional by Jesus as well. It's like, this is not only you can't see it, but it's dangerous to the other person as well. And how many of you have experienced something like that before? Or maybe seen it in some other situation? We're not on the same side of the table as Jesus. You know, um, who knows? I'm going to draw something here. It's going to be really bad. (laughs) I can get this pen lit off. Who remembers as um, a young Christian maybe seeing the bridge illustration? Anyone? Sharing the gospel. So what have we got? We've got a a big chasm in the middle. We've got us. Very simple. And we've got, what do we put here, a crown? God. That represents Jesus. That represents us. And what's down in this valley? The chasm. Death. 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 Or, some people would say sin, separation from God. And no matter what we do, we can't bridge that gap. And when we judge someone, and we don't think we've got a log in our eye, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm on this side over here with Jesus, looking back at this sin. I'm looking back at this person and all that they've done wrong. All that I've, I'm, I'm with Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to get us to see is that, no, we're all over here. And what's, and what's the gap? The, the thing that bridges the gap, of course, is the cross of Jesus. But we are all over here, and it's Jesus that bridges the gap. We're not on the same side as Jesus. You know, in, um, there's a great book... Um, seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know if you've ever read this by Stephen Covey, and one of his seven habits is seek first to understand before being understood. And it's really, it's a biblical idea of exactly this: that when you go to a doctor or an optometrist, you don't want to walk into a, a professional's office like that and they look at you and, you and you just say, "I can't see clearly," and they just take off the glasses off their own eyes and say, "Here you go, this will fix you." You want them to figure out what the actual issue is first. You want them to take time to consider. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Don't be quick to jump in and think, I've seen this before. I've had the same situation. I know. Put yourself above, but rather seek first to understand. Put yourself on the same side. Look at the issue from this side rather than what you think is right. What else did Jesus say about eyes? Remember last week, it came up, the idea of eyes. If your eyes are full of what? Light. And what was that idea about? Generosity. When we look at someone with the, the eyes of light or the eyes of generosity, when we're generous in our grace, when we're generous in our ability to understand and give empathy towards someone else, Jesus is the only one who can judge. Because he's the one who sees sin for what it is. He's the one who's perfect. And how does Jesus judge our sin? How does he judge it? Through the cross. Through laying down his life. Through bridging the gap. As I was thinking about this idea this week. I couldn't shake this idea that the way that Jesus judges us is not to stand from afar, pointing and saying, look, sinner, look how wrong they are. But what did he do? I'm going to come down, I'm going to lay my life down, I'm going to bridge the gap. I'm going to love, I'm going to be generous in my grace. What if Christians, what if us, we were like this? When we saw someone who we thought something's not right, instead of in our own hearts harboring judgment, we laid our life down for them. We were generous in our love towards them. It doesn't mean we condone what they've done, it doesn't mean we agree that what they've done is okay or acceptable, but it means we're on the same side. We are also sinners saved by grace, we are no better, but we are ready to love. Not defending or dismissing the wrongdoing. But in our hearts, not going low to judging. Leave that to Jesus. Instead, what's the, the ideas that we've been talking about already in the Sermon Amount Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Lay your life down to bridge the gap and bring in with love. Not turn away with anything else. Anyway, we've got a whole other section to get on um, Verse 6. It's a weird verse. Um, Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs. They will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. I mean, I've read a few different commentaries um, trying to get my head around this and everyone just has their own idea um, on what this verse means. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I think um, the simplest meaning is always the best. Um, So for me, this idea of don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearl before pigs. Dogs and pigs don't find pearls valuable. So if you throw your valuable things, what you think is holy, to someone who doesn't think that is holy, it's going to be trampled on foot. Don't throw judgment. Don't throw what you think is right onto someone else's life who doesn't agree with you in a judgmental way because it's it's only going to turn them away. It's only going to make them tear you to pieces. When you try to make someone value what um, who doesn't value what, what you do, They will turn on you. It won't end well. Anyway, you can read all the commentaries you like and come to your own conclusion what that verse means. Don't judge. Instead, humble yourself. Realise you don't have all the answers to everyone's problems and turn to God. And that's what Jesus moves towards next in verses 7 to 12. Ask, seek, knock. Everyone who receives and everyone who seeks finds and to one who knocks the door will be opened talks about a son and a father. And I think the, the link or the progression between these thoughts when I first read I read this through a number of times I'm like what there's no progression these are just two he's just cutting off the idea but then it seems strange to me because verse 12 says therefore whatever you want others to do for you do the same for them for the, this is the law and the prophets it's like Jesus is bringing this back to the idea of judging others it's like you don't want treat others the way you want to be treated and he chucks this thing in about prayer in the middle of it. And then I think it becomes clear through James's commentary as well, the idea of humbling yourself. The one who is humble, the one who is childlike, comes before their father in times of need, in times of trouble. The one who sees something and goes, that's not right. If I've got a seven-year-old and four-year-old, if I if they see something that's not right, I don't want them to go up and sock on one. I want them to come and talk to me about it because maybe they don't understand. Maybe they don't know what's right and wrong yet. Maybe they don't have a full picture of what's going on in that situation. Maybe you can either. But I think what Jesus is alluding to is come before the Father, humble yourself. Don't let your first action, when you see something you don't think is right, be judgment. Instead, turn to me, he says. Ask, seek, and knock. It comes from this understanding that Christians, we're not here to moralize our world. We're not here to make everyone live the way we want them to live or or live the way we think is the right way to live. We're here to show them, Jesus, that we are all sinners in need of grace, in need of a savior. And so I'm going to pray for those that I don't agree with. I'm going to pray for those that I see maybe doing the wrong thing and have God transform my own life to reflect him better. And I think this idea of asking, seeking and knocking is, is as simple as it reads. Jesus not being confusing. Uh, there's, you can't really misunderstand this. The only way you can misunderstand this is if you take it out of context, which some people have done in the past and say, well, if you ask, seek, and whatever you ask, God will give to you. Um, Two or three gather in my name. You can have whatever you ask. And so people make this sort of like this this theology of um, God's a magical genie, and if you just ask with enough faith, you will get it. Again, even if you can't really take this verse out of context because Jesus is talking about a father and a child. Now, I want to give my kids everything they ask for. But there comes a point where I, they ask the things and I know, well, that's not good for you. So although you want that and you think that's the best thing for you and you think you, that's what you want, the answer is no. And our Father knows far more than we do. And so sometimes our prayers of asking him for what we think is good for us, Jesus or the Father would say, not right now, not yet, maybe not ever, there's something better for you. And verse 12, like I said, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophet. What do I want others to do for me? Well, ultimately, I want them to love me. I want them to show me grace. I want them, if I slip up and do something wrong, I want them not to to judge me, but to bridge the gap. Help me see the speck in a loving, grace-filled way. I don't want them to judge me, criticize me, slander me, put themselves on God's side and me not on his side. I don't want someone to go over here and look back and say, see, you're not really saved. You're not really a Christian. This is not what a Christian would do. I want them to come over here and say, come on, this is the cross. This is the grace that God offers. Let's go to him together. And you might have big questions in your mind like, well, what about when people are obviously in sin? What about abuse? What about justice? Surely there's an element of justice, but I think what Jesus is saying, it's about our heart attitude here towards ourselves, towards each other. God is just, and the judgment we are talking about is not avoiding legal judgment. It's not saying um, things don't deserve consequences, but it's about avoiding us imposing God's judgment on others laying our life down, doesn't mean succumbing to abuse or harm either. Rather, it's an internal motivation to view the other as God does. And God views us with generous, loving eyes. His grace is abundant in our time of need. The band's going to come and join me and we're going to worship one more time. And maybe for you, you find yourself here and you feel like, there's stuff in your own life. There's your own sin, your own inability to, to bridge the gap and the idea that the cross, that Jesus has bridged the gap on your behalf is, is new to you. I would love the opportunity to pray with you and, and help you understand who Jesus is, to welcome him into your life. Or maybe there's others in your own world that you know that you've been judging in, a, in, a, in the wrong way. You've been putting yourself above them. You've been condemning them in your own thoughts. And this morning you need to repent of that and come back to the foot of the cross and say, God, help me to love like you love. Help me to view people the way you do. Take this log out of my own eye. I'd love the opportunity to pray for you if that's you this morning. Can we stand together? If you're in Locksport or Yarram and you want someone to pray for you, um, you can turn to to some of the leaders there and they'll be happy to pray for you, I'm sure. Lord God, we thank you this morning for your love and your grace towards us. And God, we thank you that you've bridged the gap where we couldn't. God, when we fail, you lay your life down for us in our place. And God, we pray that we would be a people that love others, that lay our life down for each other so that we could see you in all your glory and goodness. That we would draw people in with love, not with judgment, with grace and not condemnation. Knowing that you are the one that changes hearts, that turns lives around. You're the miracle working God. So God, we come before you asking that you would do a miracle first in our own hearts, in our own lives. Help us to get the logs out of our own eyes. Help us to see the way you see, with generosity. God, we love you so much and we thank you for, for all that you're doing in this place. We ask that you would have your way, even now as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord God, we thank you so much for this morning, so much for your grace and your love in our own life, for the miracle working power. And God, we pray that you would work that in our lives again this week. Help us to reflect you, reflect your love and your generosity to all those around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're going to have tea and coffee. Uh, If you're in Locksport and Yarram, tea and coffee as well. If you're here in Sale, And you can help with tea and coffee. We need an extra helper or two in the kitchen. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.